Thanks to Gusto for supporting the Productivity Show. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll to benefits to small businesses across the country. They were even named the best online payroll by PCMag. Get three months free when you run your first payroll at gusto.com forward slash TPS. Welcome to the Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get the important things done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. In the past, we've talked about making goals and creating rituals. What do you do when you have those goals and rituals that work well for a while, but then they don't? How do you get back up when your productivity or goals have slipped? Sometimes it's a sudden change, but other times it's so gradual we don't even notice. In this episode, we'll go over six ways to help you bounce back. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 255. And now, on with the show. Hey Brooks, it's good to see you again. How's life? Everything's really, really good. Are you ready for the hot weather summer here today? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm never ready for the hot summer weather, but, you know, we do what we can. I remember when I asked you earlier about, hey, do you like to go to saunas? And you go, <laughs> no, I don't like heat at all. Can we just avoid yeah. that all together? I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> don't heat's move to not Texas. my thing. Yeah, heat's not my thing, I think is what I said. It's pretty true. <laughs> Might be a Canadian thing because I've heard that many times from other Canadians, so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But yep. let's uh, let's start today's episode here. And before we do, we always like to kick it off with our top three productivity resources. And the first one is an app called Dew. This is Dew 3.0. And it's basically a pro user implementation of reminders and timers. So we know a lot of people, especially in the dojo, our community, they love task managers, but sometimes they need deadlines, they need time-sensitive stuff to be done, and they oftentimes use this app called Dew, which is great at reminding you to do something, but also it's really annoying to kind of like shut it off. So if you really are pressed for something, this is a great app to go check out. And I love how the natural parser is really simple to use in this particular app. Next one is MyFitnessPal. So if you're somebody who's really into fitness, whether you have an iOS device or Android device, this is a great app to use to track your calorie intake, what you're eating. One of my favorite features is being able to scan the barcode of anything that you have and it automatically finds it. So you don't have to manually type stuff in. One of my favorite apps and something I use almost every day. And then the third one is an app called Time Audit. And it's a time tracking app that allows you to visualize your activities with beautiful charts. And what's great about this particular app is that it is created by a Doja member. Nicholas. So thank you, Nicholas, for contributing to our community and by creating this app. So go check out Time Audit. All right, Brooks, let's kick it off and talk about how you can get back on the bandwagon when you've kind of lost your goals, your habits that you've been trying to stick to, because this is a really popular episode request. All of us, you know, want to become more productive. We want to follow our habits. We want to stick to them. But sometimes stuff happens. You get sick. Maybe you lose a job. Uh, relationship changes, maybe you move to a different area or city or you travel a lot. And then it's really easy to kind of get off the grid and and lose what you had going on and lose all this momentum. And then trying to get back on can be really tough. And that is what this episode is all about, is how do you bounce back 
from losing this momentum that you had? Yeah, we're going to dive in more specifically next week on one of those topics that you talked about, which is how to be more productive during illness or recovery. So we're going to zero in on that topic next week in TPS 256. So make sure you check that out. But in general, there's kind of two main types of this sort of thing. There's things like illness, job loss, like you mentioned, those kind of cataclysmic events that can really throw you off track. But then there's also the other type where things kind of slip bit by bit and you don't even really notice it's happening until much later, until you realize you're in a circumstance where you don't want to be. This happened for me a while ago where I realized that I had totally stopped reading and it wasn't a decision. It wasn't like, that's it. I'm not reading anymore. I'm out. Or it wasn't anything that happened that stopped me from reading. It's just, you know, I got busy. In my case, I had kids, you know, that sort of thing. It just happened. And then all of a sudden I realized I was never, I was basically never reading anything except whatever I clicked on in social media. So that was, I I had the gradual type. For me, it's always been the sudden event. So for me, it was always either travel. Whenever I traveled, I would have a hard time sticking to my exercise routine. And I would have to come up with ingenious ways to be able to stick to an exercise regimen, be able to stick to my morning routine, to my evening ritual, to all these things that I have going on and then simplifying them somehow or figuring out ways to actually stick to them. And sometimes, or well, if I have to be really honest, oftentimes what would happen is I would go on vacation or go on a trip somewhere. And then my mind shift would just change to oh, I'm actually not at home right now. I can do whatever I want. And then all of a sudden I would lose all these habits that I've built up over the years or over the last few months. And then I would lose it and lose that momentum. And then by the time I came home, I had to start almost all over from scratch. And sometimes I would just not get back on the bandwagon. And I would just continue not to do my morning ritual or my evening ritual or whatever habits I had going on. And especially with exercise, that was always really tough. So we're going to be discussing some strategies that we figured out over the years that kind of help you get back up. And no matter if you've tried all sorts of different things, if you've been burned out many times before, maybe you've had trouble bouncing back and you've tried all sorts of different stuff and none of it worked, we're going to offer you six ways for you to bounce back. So let's start with the first one, and that is to schedule your habits. One of the things that we have found to be really impactful is to schedule your habits. And so when you pick up your calendar and you know what kind of habits you want to have, and what you want to incorporate back again, it's really useful to just look at your calendar and say, okay, I'm going to perform this habit at this particular time. So that way you don't forget it, right? Because oftentimes if we say, oh, you know what? When I get back from my vacation, I'm going to pick up my morning routine again. And then you wake up and guess what? That usually just never happens, right? So it's really useful to put that intention out there and say, okay, I'm going to schedule my morning routine to kick off at say 7 a.m. And even if you wake up at eight, right? And when you look at your calendar, you still see that you had it scheduled in. So it's a nice reminder as well to kind of get back in the zone. So that's something I would highly encourage you to start doing. Yeah, right before hitting record, we were talking about an author named Ramit Sethi, who just released a new version of his book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And I heard him on a podcast, I think it was the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was saying that for these important type of things, so this this is an example of something that would qualify for that, anything important, you want it to be opt out. And what, what he means by that is it needs to be scheduled on your calendar. The assumption is that you are going to do it. 
And then if something happens and you you can't do it, then, you know, you can make that decision, but you're opting out of something that's scheduled. You're not deciding that you feel like doing it. So I thought that was a great reframe of, of assuming that you're going to do it because it's scheduled. And then you can make the decision from there. For me, when I was trying to get back into reestablishing that reading habit, I looked at the time that I had and I, I did exactly that. I knew I had to schedule time to do this. So I established a new morning ritual. Morning rituals are something we've talked about a lot on the podcast. And I made sure reading was part of that ritual. So every day after I exercise, which is another part of that morning ritual, I'd go to this place in the sofa and I'd read. And at first it was just 10 minutes, then 15, then 20, and then more minutes every single day. And that was something that was scheduled every single morning. As I mentioned earlier, one of my biggest struggles was always coming back and getting back into my exercise regimen. Whenever I would travel, I would get into this mindset of, okay, I'm in a different city. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to work out. I can actually enjoy my life for once (laughs) and then skip exercise, eat whatever I want. And then by the time I come home, I will get back into it, right? Which is a terrible mindset to have. Uh, Nowadays, I understand much better, which is the whole idea of, okay, if I'm in a different city, this is just an extension of my home. I'm just in a different location. So I might not have the weights the way I want them. I might not have the bench that I like necessarily, but everything is still there. So it's just an extension of my home. So I can do that differently. So one of the things I started doing once I kind of failed getting back on the exercise regimen was to schedule my workouts, right? So it was really simple. By the time I came back, I said, okay, I need to get back into this exercise routine that I had, right? Normally I would be exercising four or five times a week. I'm going to actually simplify this just a little bit, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But the whole idea was, okay, I'm going to schedule at least two or three workouts in here and just make sure I'm committed to doing that and create that commitment. And I love your suggestion earlier, Brooks, which was, well, it's it's a choice that I'm making right now. And by the time that comes, I can still opt out if I decide not to do that, right? Because it's still a decision that I have to make. But at least I'm not leaving it up in the air anymore, right? Because if I come back and I say, okay, I'm going to exercise again, Oftentimes that will just never happen. So if you've made that mistake like myself, try to schedule whatever you're trying to do. So whether that's a writing routine that you had, an exercise routine, planning something. A lot of times people always ask us about, you know, how do you do strategic planning? Or maybe like maybe you have a weekly review that you like to stick to. Whatever it is that you want to pick back up, try to schedule it on your calendar. And like Brooks mentioned earlier, try to create that commitment knowing that you can always opt out if needed. All right, let's move on to tip number two here. And that is whatever you're trying to do, make it as easy as possible. Whatever you want to do, whether that's writing, picking up exercise again, make the first step as small and as easy as possible. And the way I like to look at it is when you look at something like this, If you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to exercise again, what's the first thing that you can do that's so easy and simple to do that's almost stupid to say no to that, right? So for example, if you're trying to exercise, what's one simple thing that you can do? You can put on your gym clothes. You can tie your shoes, right? If you are really clear about your first step and knowing what that is, and it's so simple and easy, that's oftentimes all you need to kind of overcome that procrastination that you might have. Yeah, like for me, if I had a goal maybe to to write or something like that, if if I wanted to to write a certain article, 
the thought of writing a big article or a big whatever might be really daunting. So what I what I will tend to do in that case is I'll say to myself, well, don't worry about the writing, but why don't you just get the high level points on a mind map? And then what happens? I do get the high level points and then I break it down even more. Then I break it down even more Then it's ready for me to write. For my getting back into reading, what I what I do now is I have make sure in the morning or actually the night before I have my book right there at the sofa in the morning so that when I walk in the door, it's ready there for me to read. And this has been key for me as well. When I'm about 10% of the way left left in my book, when I know that I'm going to be finishing the book soon, I'm already lining up what my next book will be. And then I'm ordering it online or I'm buying it at my local bookstore or maybe if it's at the library I'm finding where which library it is or if it's Kindle I'm going to get it on Kindle when I'm getting near the end of my book I'm getting ready for my next book so that there isn't any break in that reading habit it's just I put down one book and I pick up the next one when it's when it's time to go so that's worked out really well for me and then also for audiobooks I'll always make sure to have that downloaded on my phone so that when I'm driving in the car by myself I have the audiobook there ready to go as well another strategy to consider is if you don't have a lot of time commit to something easy and small in smaller increments So for example, it can be really daunting when you come back from a trip or something suddenly happened and now you have to commit for an hour to do something, right? Whether that's writing or working out. However, what if you commit to just going for 10 minutes on a treadmill, right? That's something that everybody can do, right? What if you just commit to writing an outline rather than just writing a thousand words or writing for an hour, right? What if you just commit to planning the next day rather than planning a whole week. So I'm hoping you're starting to see that the smaller you can make this commitment, this thing that you want to do, the easier it is for you to do it. And the easier the step is, the more likely you will actually follow through. Right. So I'm hoping you're starting to see how all of this encompasses together where strategy number two is make it as easy as possible for yourself to take the first step. Right. So whether it's Instead of working out for 60 minutes, you do for 10. Whether it's writing your book, you maybe just brainstorm some titles. Make it as simple and as easy as possible for yourself. And the key here is essentially you're tricking yourself to get started. And that's oftentimes that activation energy that we need to get started sometimes can seem so big, right? Whereas if we make it really small and we just get started, oftentimes that's all we need to get going and doing what we want to do, right? So oftentimes for me, when I was trying to get back on the bandwagon and bouncing back, instead of working out for an hour, I would just commit to working out for 25 minutes, just one Pomodoro, and that's all I needed to do, right? And if I wanted to get back into a writing routine, instead of committing to writing a thousand words, which is something I used to do a lot, I would just say, I'm just gonna write for 400, 500 words, and that's it. Once I hit that, I'm just gonna stop, and then I'm good to go. Right. And oftentimes what would happen if you've ever implemented something like the Pomodoro technique or any sort of procrastination strategy that we've taught on the podcast, on the blog and in some of our courses, one of the things you will always notice is once you get started and the timer stops or you kind of hit your limits, you go, oh, man, I feel so good right now. I just want to keep going. Right. Have you ever had that too, Brooks? Yeah, I I cannot stress to you how important it is tricking myself is <laughs> I, I use all those sorts of tricks and yeah exactly right I that that happens to me all the time so let's move on to tip number three here and that is 
Focus on one task at a time. When you come back, you're probably overwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things on your to-do list. You probably have a lot of emails that you have to deal with. It can be really easy to feel overwhelmed and then feel like you have to focus on too many different things. And one of the things we always talk about is when everything looks important, nothing truly is. So when you look at your to-do list and you have 10 things on there and you say to yourself, man, I have to do all these 10 things. That's when you know you have a priority issue, right? And the challenge then becomes, okay, what do I actually need to do first? What is actually most important? Let me make sure I do that first before I do anything else. And when you're so disorganized because you're trying to do so many different things, you're just trying to almost like eat an elephant with like five spoons at the same time instead of eating it one spoon at a time, right? Which is what the saying is. And so what I would really want you to focus on is when you're trying to bounce back here, instead of doing five or 10 different things at once, focus on doing just one thing at a time. And that is actually the biggest challenge because you will naturally feel inclined to say, but Tan, I need to do these five things. And I totally get that. But the challenge is how can you just focus on one thing at a time do that first before you move to the next thing. Yeah, and sometimes it's all about carving out time in order to do though that one thing. So for me, when I was working on my reading project, what I realized I had to do, because I had tried it in a bunch of different circumstances, and what I realized the only way that establishing, establishing this habit was going to work, or getting back into this habit, I should say, was to start earlier before the rest of my family was awake, before I did all the other things, before I started going into my task manager, all that sort of stuff. So for me, I, I mentioned earlier, I it made it part of my morning ritual, and so I carved out some time got up a little bit earlier in order to get that reading time done before no one else is awake and I start getting distracted by organizing lunches and you know getting my kids out the door and dealing with questions that people had and stuff like that. So that's what worked well for me is carving out that time to focus on that one thing. One of the mistakes that I've made in the past is when I started my day and I looked at my to-do list, I would have five, maybe the 10 things on there and then I would oftentimes just pick five things to work on simultaneously. And what would often happen, you know, a logical person might say, okay, five things, you do that all at the same time, you finish that faster, you're actually going to be more efficient, right? But that's not really how our brain works. Our brain can only focus on one thing at a time. And there's actually no such thing as multitasking. That is actually called switch tasking. The brain will actually switch focus from task to another task, going back and forth in uh, there's so many downsides to that. It costs a lot of energy, uh, which is, is going to make you procrastinate more likely. You tend to make more mistakes because, again, the brain can only focus on one thing at a time. It cannot focus on two things at once. And so when you're switching all the time, you tend to make more mistakes, which is why we don't want people to be texting and driving at the same time. right? And people who multitask are actually slower because if you've ever multitasked, you know that feeling when you're, let's say, writing an email and then all of a sudden you're listening to an audiobook and then you're watching a YouTube video. And then as you're getting distracted and you're trying to do these different things at once, once you get back to your email, you oftentimes need a little bit of an on-ramp to kind of think about, okay, what was I writing about again? What did I want to say? Uh, what attachment was I looking for again? Right. And then you need a few minutes to kind of like think about what you were doing. And then imagine doing that five times in one hour across different tasks, right? You're wasting a lot of time there. So that's why 
focusing on one thing at a time is going to save you a lot of time, but also it's going to be much easier to accomplish things because the mistake that I've made many times in the past is, like I said, you pick five things to work on and then you, you get really busy, you try to do all these different things and then five o'clock rolls around and then when you look at your to-do list, nothing actually got accomplished. Yes, you were busy. Yes, you were doing all these different things, but there was nothing actually done, right? You have like five tasks half done but nothing actually got accomplished. And what would happen then is I would take that work home with me and then I would finish it later that night. Whereas if I just did one thing at a time, I would be able to have that momentum, right? Which is a really key thing here. And I would finish one thing, feel good about it, have that momentum, and then focus on the next thing, finish that. And then even if I didn't finish everything, by the end of the day, I could still look at my to-do list and say, wow, I completely two things or three things or four things. And I would feel so much better the way I would end my day that way. And compared to you know, having a to-do list that has nothing checked off. Yeah, and even even aside from the, the speed aspect, it's very unlikely that you're gonna do as good of a job if you're flipping back and forth and trying to do multiple things at once as just focusing on that one thing, giving it your attention, and then moving on to the next thing. Even even this morning, I was doing what we call at a, a pairing session with Marmel, who's been on the podcast a number of times. And I was teaching how to do something and we're, I was flipping back and forth from this browser tab to this browser tab. And then as we were doing that, I realized, no, this is, we're just gonna go into problems if, if I keep flipping back and forth. So I made sure we focused on that one thing, did it, then moved, focused on the other thing. And it worked out a lot better. And I bet we ended up finishing faster too. Okay, payday. Everyone loves payday except the people that have to prepare it. That is, unless you're a payroll professional that uses Gusto. You can tame the chaos of payroll, benefits, and HR with Gusto. Gusto gives you payroll benefits, HR, and management tools all in one place. It's easy online payroll, benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses. With Gusto, you can automatically file and pay all state, local, and federal payroll taxes. You can even manage health benefits, 401ks, and more from almost any budget. Gusto lets you sign, store, and organize employee documents all online. Running your payroll with Gusto takes 11 minutes on average. They've partnered with small businesses across all 50 states, and they were just named the best online payroll by PCMag, which is quite an achievement. So get three months free when you run your first payroll at gusto.com forward slash TPS. Try a demo and test it out at gusto.com forward slash TPS. So tip number three again is to focus on just one task at a time. So let's move on to tip number four here, and that is to find a group, a friend, or a mentor. It can be really easy to feel demotivated if you're doing everything alone. And if something doesn't go your way, nobody else will know about it. And so you can easily hide anything that you would like to have accomplished. And when you have a buddy system or you have some sort of accountability, whether that's a friend or a peer group or maybe even a mentor, it's more likely for you to follow through on something that you want to do. So, for example, when I was trying to kickstart this exercise routine again, yes, I did initially everything myself. I would you know, schedule everything on my calendar. I would focus on doing just one thing at a time. I would make it as easy as possible for myself. Right? I would have all these strategies in place that we just talked about. But guess what? There would still be days 
when I said, yeah, I just still don't feel like tying my shoes. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to lay on this couch here. But guess what? If I hired a personal trainer, which would be my quote unquote friend or mentor, guess what? I would actually show up for that workout because now, one, I have money invested that I don't like to lose. And two, I have a sense of accountability now because now I have to show up. I have to hold myself accountable to somebody else that is waiting for me to be at this particular location to actually show up. And that was good enough for me to continue my exercise routine, right? So now, do you have to pay somebody to do that? Of course not, right? That is just one of the options here. But what if you had a buddy that could be your accountability partner, right? What if it's your partner or spouse that holds you accountable, that will kind of like check in with you now and then and say, hey, did you actually do this? Or were you going to do this at this time? And if you say no, well, then that person can either coach you or make you feel really bad to the point where you go, oh, yeah, you know what? I should really go. Yeah. And even if it's not a prompting slash nagging situation, which is one of the great benefits of doing that, but it can just a lot of times it can just make it more fun too. like, for example, one area that people find really helpful about the dojo, which is our online productivity community, is there's a whole accountability section. But even for me, we have a section on books where we talk about books. So I always get really great ideas for books to read from that. And it's fun to share the things that I find from from that as well. In fact, just after recording this, I'm going to be posting about an a audiobook I've been reading right now. And so it's great having even though, I mean, I don't have a book coach or a book mentor, but I have this group of people interested in the same things and it just makes it a lot more fun and I get a lot more ideas than I would have other ways. And, you know, there's meetups, there's community groups, whatever you, whatever you're into, you can usually find other people that are into it and will kind of encourage you along the way. One thing my wife in her company does is they actually try to encourage reading, for example. So a bunch of, of her higher, she's in executive leadership. And so they created an executive book club where they all pick a book and go around and discuss it. And that's, she's found that really helpful too, because a lot of these books, it's unlikely that, you know, she's a working mom and everything like that. It's unlikely that she would be sitting there reading a lot of these books on her own, but by doing it as part of that group, she's more and more likely to do it and gets more out of it. I'm part of a book club myself too with three other friends. And right now we're reading a book called Trillion Dollar Coach. And I can definitely say from doing this for a year and a half, almost two years now, that I'm more likely to continue to stick to my reading habit because I know I have to show up and I don't want to be the person that shows up and has not read the book. I don't want to be that person. So that is good enough for me to stick to this reading ritual that I have, but also to continue to read about new stuff that I've never heard about. Uh, this is not a book that I've picked personally. So I'm actually going through it right now and learning so much about this because somebody else suggested it, right? Which is really cool. But like you said earlier, the dojo is one of the reasons why people like it so much because there's an accountability group in there as well. So whether you have a habit that you'd like to stick to, maybe there's a project that you would like to finish by the next quarter, or whatever goal or project that you're working on, you can post it in the community and the whole Asian efficiency team can see it and help you with that, but also hold you accountable for that. So having this accountability is a huge feature inside the Asian efficiency dojo that a lot of people love. And so when you see 
people just like you posting about, oh, you know, I'm going to write this upcoming quarter and publish my book, or I'm going to lose 20 pounds this next quarter. And you see people being so committed. It can really inspire you to take action, but also you can learn from their journals and see how they do things. And you can see how other people are inspiring them to continue to take action. And so if you find yourself working really well with accountability, then I want to invite you to go check out the dojo and become part of that accountability group that we have in there. And if that is something you're interested in, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You can try it out for just a dollar for your first month. So again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. And again, if you work really well with accountability, knowing that other people are going to be monitoring you, they're going to be watching you, or they're going to be guiding you, coaching you, motivating you, this is a great thing to consider. And this is one of the many reasons we started the Asian Efficiency Dojo, because you will also get ongoing coaching and training from us to hold you accountable, but also to inspire you as well. And you can interact with other members as well, which is great. So definitely go check that out. Uh, Brooks, is there anything else that you have seen where having a group appear, a friend or a mentor has really helped you? Yeah, different masterminds. We, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but different masterminds I've been a part of in the past has been really motivating for, for keeping on track. You get, you get ideas that you wouldn't have thought of before, and there is that accountability of, oh man, I better do this or I'm not going to, <laughs> or I'm going to let uh, people down. Another thing, I, I personally have never had a trainer, but I've heard that that is something that is really, really effective. Even, even though you can look up a lot of these workouts on YouTube or whatever, there's, there's no secret about this stuff, but having, having a trainer, people say is worth the, the money for sure. If you've checked out the episode we've done with Noah Kagan, one of the big takeaways I had from that particular episode is that whatever goal or area he focused on, he would have a coach there that he paid for. And so he was, for example, working on his biking skills and he wanted to bike more. Well, guess what? He got a biking coach and now he has to show up every single time he committed to biking. And guess what? He is now actually doing that more often than not because he felt he had to show up for this other person, right? There's now a sense of accountability. And what he found is that by having accountability in every single area of his life, by hiring people to help him with that, he's more likely to follow through with that. So if you're in that position as well, where you can hire people to help you with that and have that sense of accountability, then great, go check that out and do that, right? And if you've never heard of this concept or idea, go check out TPS 253 with Noah Kagan. So just go to theproductivityshow.com slash 253 and you can go check out that episode with Noah Kagan. So personally for me, that works really well as well. One of the reasons I like working with a personal trainer is that I know I will have to show up. And the other aspect that I like about it is that I don't have to think about the whole process. All I have to do is just trust the process, which in essence means trust my trainer. And then the results will just show up uh, eventually over time, as long as I continue to show up, right? So I literally just show up and say, hey, okay, I need to be there at one o'clock. I'm going to be there. I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. I just need to show up. And that's all I have to do, right? And again, I made it really simple for myself by hiring a trainer that lives, well, guess what? Two blocks from me. That's where the gym is. If I had a personal trainer that lived 45 minutes away and I had to sit in traffic to get there, 
guess what? My chances of actually showing up consistently would still be relatively low, even though I had this sense of accountability, right? So you want to design your environment for success as well, which is actually the next point. Point number five is to design your environment for success. Oftentimes we get shaped by the environment more than we care to admit. And the more you can shape your environment to aid you in the way you want to get results, get stuff done, and design it in a way that actually supports you for what you want to do, the easier things become. So going back to the example I just mentioned earlier, if I want to get in shape and my trainer lives an hour away, I have to sit in traffic to get there, right? And I'm going during traffic hours. Yes, I can have all these different strategies in place of like, hey, you know, I, I should tie my shoes first. I have a personal trainer that will hold me accountable. You know, I know I just need to do one thing at a time, right? And I have it scheduled on my calendar. I can do all the perfect things. But if my environment is not set up for success, right? Where I have to go to see this trainer an hour away, sit in traffic to get there, which, you know, if you know me for a while, that is like the best way to kill me very slowly is to sit in traffic, which is one of the many reasons I moved away from Los Angeles. But as you can tell, that's just not a productive environment, right? Which is why I will actually take a less superior personal trainer. Maybe that is not as well known or doesn't, you know, have as much experience if that person lives much closer to me, right? Now, I'm very fortunate to have both combinations where my personal trainer is super world-class and he happens to be two blocks from where I am, right? And to zoom out even more, when I first moved to Austin, I strategically moved this particular area because I knew everything was relatively close and nearby. And yes, I'm paying a little bit more in terms of you know my expenses for that, but I'm surrounded by everything that I want and need. And so my environment is shaping it in a way where it's, it's almost like success by just being there, right? So a personal trainer is an example of that. For me to eat healthy is really important too. And guess what? Whenever I leave my home, there's a ton of healthy restaurants there. And if I zoom out even more, Austin, Texas is a very healthy city too. So we can go very strategic and high level on this, but the overall picture that I want you to grasp is design your environment for success. So, and that might mean moving to a different city, moving to a different area, redesigning your home, right? If you want to go feng shui or kamari, your whole place, that those are all things that are really helpful. Yeah, we have a running joke that Tan has a four block radius around his apartment in Austin that he just, it has to be pretty major thing, pretty major event to get Tan to leave that four block radius. He's got it. He's got his whole life set up there. And uh, Chandler, who's in the dojo, uh, we record these episodes live in front of the dojo audience. Speaking of the dojo, he follows that same strategy too. He just, he signed up for a personal trainer and they come direct to his condo's gym. So dead simple. So that's great. He doesn't have, he'll never have the traffic excuse. He'll never have the weather excuse. As long as the elevator is working in his building, he basically has zero excuse not to, not to get up and head down to the gym. So that's, that's a great way to structure things. Another great example of that is I hate cardio. I just do not like doing any form of cardio, which is kind of funny because I played soccer for so many years till I was 18. So I've always been in pretty decent shape when I was younger. But as I got older, I just realized, man, I really do not like cardio at all. And so the only way I can do cardio right now, and even when I go see my trainer, we don't do much cardio because we mostly focus on strength training and lifting. But Brooks, I don't think you've seen this, but 
in my building now at the bottom floor, there's an Orange Theory. And if you don't know what Orange Theory is, it's basically a boot camp, like a workout class. And it's literally on the bottom floor of my building. So all I have to do is go to the elevator, press one, turn left, turn right, and I'm right there. Like it cannot be any easier. And because it's a group setting, I'm always working out with different people. I don't know them. And when we go on the treadmill, I don't want to be that person who is not running as fast as the other people that are there. And so I'm pushing myself as hard as I can because I, I don't want to quote unquote look bad, you know, for those who uh, have followed any sort of landmark training, I don't want to look bad. I just want to like, you know, fit in and like make sure I look cool and good that I can keep up with everybody. And in the beginning, I, I was terrible. <laughs> I couldn't last on treadmill or go at the same pace or go on the same incline. But now that I've been doing it for a few months, I'm pretty good at it now. And again, I design my environments in that way where, okay, I, I, all I have to do is just go down. And I love the example that Chandler gave because something I've always considered is my tailor, for example, is actually in, it's about six, seven blocks away, which is kind of like outside my radius, as you mentioned. And I know it sounds weird and funny at the same time, but literally I live within a four block radius. Everything is there. And if people live, for example, in New York City, you just know that you know everything is just relatively close by wherever you live and you just live in that you know vicinity, right? It's the same thing in Austin if you live in the downtown area. But my tailor is seven blocks away or so. So I have to either hop on one of those scooters to get there or I'll go for a nice walk. But the problem now is because it's summer, it's it's so hot. You know, it's 100 degrees. So it's like, you know, in Celsius, that's like 35, sometimes 40 Celsius. And so by the time I'm there, I'm all drenched in sweat and stuff. And so I would actually consider paying my tailor to come to my home, measure me there, and then have that all taken care of. So I actually like that idea. And I'm going to propose that to Brenda, my, my tailor, and see what she says, because this could actually change my life. Might set up a new business line for her too, a new income source going to people's people's places in Austin because it's too hot for them to leave their leave their house. So it might you might be a win win situation. Exactly. So I love that idea, and just take that strategy and see how you can implement that in other areas of your life, right? So another example, uh, kind of related to this, is for example, I don't go grocery shopping anymore. I just have it delivered to my home, and we've talked about this ad nauseum in other episodes where it actually doesn't save you that much time by going yourself and picking the right things. Like I know some people like to do that, but if you really want to save a lot of time and be efficient about what you do, it actually makes a lot of sense to order it online, have Amazon pretty much dominate your life (laughs) and have all, if not half your expenses pretty much run through Amazon. So those are just all things to consider, right? So one of the things I want to make sure I stress here as well is to think about clear to neutral, right? Which is one of the things that we're known for is, for example, your desk makes a big difference in your productivity, right? And I was talking to David Allen many years ago. And one of the things he said to me, which really stood out to me, was one of the first things that he does when he works with a client is clean their desk. That's one of the very first things that they do is just clean their desk, put the papers away, organize it because he knows that a clean desk represents a clean. And when your desk is so clean and this is where you work and it's all serene and nice, well, guess what? You have better capacity to think, to solve problems, make certain decisions. And so having a clean desk is important. And one of the things that we are known for is this habit called clear to neutral, which is the whole idea of, as an example, whenever you finish something, put everything away, put it in a neutral position so your future self can then use it 
again instantly, right? So if you're finished your workday, clear your desk. So by the time you come in tomorrow, you're good to go, right? Just like chefs at restaurants, when they're about to close their restaurant, they don't just, you know, put everything away and then they're good to go. They actually clean the the kitchen, they clean the grill, they clean everything so that by the time they come in tomorrow, they're ready to start cooking and be good to go. And it's the same idea that we want to apply to our personal life, right? Whether it's your desk, whether it's like finishing brushing your teeth, right? You put your toothbrush in the same place so that you know but tomorrow morning when you start waking up again, you know where it is and you can get started right away, right? So clear to neutral and we'll have an article about this as well that you can go check out. So there's some things you want to consider. This is good timing because as I've mentioned on the podcast before, doing a big reno at home and I'm basically completely redoing my office from scratch. So if anyone has any awesome examples of awesome office setups, uh, send it over Productivity FM on Twitter and uh, I'll get some inspiration because I need help. Another advanced strategy about designing your environment for success is, for example, I am terrible with maintaining my home, right? As soon as my cleaner leaves, it looks great. And then the next 24 hours, it's it's like a mess again. <laughs> and it just happens naturally. I don't know why. I don't, I don't even have kids. I don't have no idea how this happens. So I pretty much have a commitment now where my cleaner and my organizer she comes in every single Saturday and just she knows exactly where things go now. And so whenever she comes in, it's like it's like magic just happened an hour later and everything is like in its place. And I feel like, oh, man, this place is great. I can now focus again. And then when Monday and Tuesday start, that's usually when I start my week. I feel like, OK, I'm focused. I'm ready to go. My, my place is clean. My desk is clean. Everything is clean. There's no dust anywhere. I'm good to go. Right. So. That is something that I do personally. You know, if I wanted to save some money, I could obviously do it myself if I wanted to. But I don't know anything about feng shui or comering stuff at all. You know, I know of it and I've seen it, but I don't know too much about it to actually want to do it myself. So if you're somebody like me and you have some disposable income, I highly recommend you have somebody else do that for you. All right, let's move on to tip number six, and that is do not give up. All right. We have given you a ton of strategies today. Sometimes life is imperfect. It's easy to give up sometimes, but just keep going. And that's this is the part where we really want to motivate you because you're never going to achieve your goals if you never get back on track, right? It's important for us to bounce back, be able to say, okay, this week was imperfect or this month was imperfect. That's okay, right? Nothing has to be perfect. But what we can do and what we can influence is take the first step, taking the first step to get back on track. And if it's really simple and just one tiny thing, that's oftentimes just good enough to build that momentum again, right? We don't want to continue to be in this negative spiral or have this negative momentum. The way to stop that is just just do one simple thing and just commit to doing that over and over and over again. And before you know it, you're back on track. Yeah, those initial successes, just taking those initial beginning step, it's it snowballs in a positive way. <laughs> Maybe snowballs not example good example because it's going downhill, but it builds on itself. You'll get more confidence, you'll get more energy, you'll get more enthusiasm as you have those small, tiny little successes. When we talked about starting small, they just build on each other, and then soon you'll be back where you want to be. For me, I, I have a rule that. I've been talking about doing my reading. So I, I have a rule that if there's a day where I miss reading due to like crazy schedule with the kids or illness or something, 
It's no problem. I don't beat myself up about it. I just make sure that I make it up the next day or break it up over a few days. But eventually I get that time back that I missed and just keep going. One of my personal guidelines that I have is to never skip it twice in a row. So for example, if I have workouts plans and I miss one workout, that's okay. Life happens. You know what? Life is not imperfect and that's totally fine. Just don't do it twice in a row. And once I kind of incorporated that mindset, I got rid of all this perfectionism because oftentimes if I miss something in the past, I would just beat myself up. I would put all this pressure on myself and all of that would just make me feel even more overwhelmed, which then would get into this negative spiral and just, you know, it would just never really work out. But as soon as I told myself, Tian, just don't let it slip for more than two times in a row. That was oftentimes just good enough for me to say, okay, yeah, I missed this workout, right? And uh, let's just make sure I don't do it again. And that was good enough for me to be able to stick to most of my workouts this way. And when you remove that perfectionism from yourself, it's really useful to then just accept things for what they are, right? And realizing that life is just imperfect and getting back on was so much easier then. So whether that's, you know, missing a workout, uh, like not writing consistently or whatever goal or habit that you want to pick up, as long as you don't skip it twice in a row, if you take on that mindset, it's it's really useful and easy to then just keep going whenever you're about to get off track. So that's something I really want you to consider. And if that really resonates with you, I would say write that down somewhere, whether it's your whiteboard or some something that you look at frequently, right? Whether it's your journal or something like that, just write it down. Just don't skip it twice in a row. And you'll see that you'll stick to your stuff more often than not. Yeah, Katie in the dojo says the ne- the never li- miss twice rule really helps me. It helps me forget about falling off the wagon and focusing instead on moving forward. And that's what it's all about. It's all about moving forward, moving forward. And what you probably saw earlier is that the trickiest part of all of this is to just show up. Do the easy things first, right? Make it as easy and as simple as possible for you to show up. And when you do that, everything will usually just fall into place. Like we're all smart enough to be able to know what we need to do, how to do it, what to do there. But oftentimes the biggest challenge is managing ourselves to actually do what we need to do. And the easiest things that we can do is just showing up, right? That's half the battle. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, with Asian efficiency, you can expect things to be simple and actionable. So on that note, I want to make sure we do that for you here as well. So the main thing I would recommend you start doing is one, if you've lost this momentum, schedule your habits right now. Schedule the things that you want to do on your calendar right now. So as you're finishing up this podcast episode, go to your calendar, schedule one or two things right now and get that going, right? And then just make sure you continue to do one thing at a time. Don't try to do everything at once, right? If you lost your morning routine, your evening routine, your exercise routine, I know these are all important things, but just pick one, right? Just do one thing at a time. And once you have that momentum, then add these things back on again. And if you do these two things, I know you're going to get back on track. You're going to hit your goals again. You're going to have these habits back into your life. And you're going to live a really productive and Asian efficient life. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get things done. You should be able to get everything done in the time you have. That's why we've built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, 
increase your energy, and get you more focused. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and within two minutes of taking a productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Don't let your never-ending to-do list drag you down. Stop sacrificing your health and family to get things done. Take the quiz today. You'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 255. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or star in Overcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday. Productive Monday.